come down today. Just just coming down and praise Him. I encourage you to do that. Folks, we serve a worthy God. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I invite you to come even right now. Come right now. Just praise Him. Just worship Him. Just cry out to Him right now. Wherever you are. The altar's open there. We serve a great God. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Just praise Him for who He is.
darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Father, truly, Christ and Christ alone is worthy. He's our Redeemer. Praise God, He's our Advocate. He's even standing by the throne even today. God, He is he's there pleading on our behalf. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, to God, that you would just continue to do, God, that which will lift up the name of Jesus. I just pray that for every heart, Lord, that God, that you would just speak clearly, and God, that you'd draw men, women, and children to yourself, Lord. Oh, Lord, take the throne of our hearts. Glorify yourself. We love you. I pray that you now be with your messenger, Father. I pray your blessings upon our friend, our brother, Brother Kenny, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. song it was uh i was in a church in north carolina last year and the choir sang it and i liked it so good i i asked the pastor i said can we sing it at the end of the service and uh y'all know me well enough to know that if i if something hits my hot button i'm gonna ask for it again amen there's nothing like worshiping him there's nothing like opening your heart up and saying to him you are worthy the darling, you ever thought about the statement in that song? The darling of heaven. I mean, when he left heaven, the darling stepped off the throne and came through the galaxies that he created and conformed himself to the size of a virgin's womb. The darling of heaven was crucified. And yes, he is worthy. Amen? <laughs> Whoa! Well, it's always a joy to be at Rayford Road. I always look forward to it, look forward to the fellowship. We look forward to the the, the, the time of food because I know we're going to eat with you all, say amen. And, and we look forward to the time around the, the throne of God and as we meet in the services. And I want to say to you, we're here through Thursday, I believe, is where we got it scheduled. And we're asking you not to miss a service, not if, unless you're providentially hindered or you already had... Uh, plans made that can't be canceled. I, I'm asking you to make every effort to come because the night that you stay out will be the very night that God had something to deliver to you. And uh, I, it's an encouragement to others around you when they see you in the pew sitting next to them. And we're excited, and your pastor's already done a good job of asking you to be a part of the meeting. And, and I'm, at, I'm at the place in the ministry where I want you to be here. Amen. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to be able to encourage you and help you and strengthen you with the Word of God. And we're going to do our best to do that this week. And by the way, let me just make a, a, a disclaimer to you. I didn't come mad with y'all. I didn't come with an axe to grind. I didn't come with a preconceived notion. I didn't come to try to straighten anybody out. Are you with me? Say amen. 
And I, I've just learned to take that mentality and the Holy Ghost knows what we need and he'll help us along the way. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> take your Bible and turn to Isaiah 45. Uh, it's interesting. Most of the messages I get are riding down the road. Just meditating and talking to the Lord and he'll start giving me thoughts. I remember when God first gave me this thought, I've only preached it one other time. And uh, the first time he gave me this thought, I was traveling across the state of Nebraska. And I got to thinking about the statement in Isaiah 45 that was made by the prophet Isaiah. And uh, Brother John Mick, the man that he uh, mentioned to you earlier, was with me. Uh, we were traveling, riding down the road. And I said, Brother Mick, pull a piece of paper out. I said, I just needed to write some thoughts that God has given me down. It's good to have not only a prayer warrior, but he, he served as a secretary riding down the road. Say amen. <laughs> and I, I had him jot these thoughts down on paper. And uh, this morning, I really was trying to find the mind of God about what to deliver to you. And, you know, as an evangelist, uh, we can very well just pull something out of the bag and preach it out of old hat. Uh, but, but I'm at a place in the ministry where that's not, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to finish my race having to go through the motions and perform. Uh, I don't want to be mechanical. I don't want to be at a place where I can just go through the motions and it just it works because it's got God in it. I want, I want to have something that you can feel it'll resonate from the pulpit to the pew. And you can walk out the back doors and take it home with you. Not something that you say is too high and unobtainable for me and something that, that I can't uh, even live up to because the truth of the matter is man's standards you'll never live up to. But God's blessings are available for all who will receive them. Say amen. And uh, God gave me this thought, and then the other day I was riding down the road, and I had my daughter Google an illustration that I want to share. So let me just say this to you. I believe it's what God ordered, he orchestrated, and he wants you to hear this morning by the grace of God. Amen? Isaiah 45, look at this with me in verse 1. Isaiah 45 and 1, this is the only time that God refers to a Gentile this way. He says in verse 1, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed... Now he's saying this to a Gentile king, to Cyrus. I'm glad, ain't you glad God included you and me? Say amen. Ain't you glad that God let us in on the apple of his eye? Israel was the apple of his eye and he chose a man named Abraham that he called out of Ur of the Chaldees. But I'm glad that God includes others in the plan and that's you and me if you're non-Jewish. Can I get a witness? Say amen. The Bible said in verse 1 again, it said, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two levied gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Verse 2, I will go before thee. Now look at this. And make the crooked places straight. What a prophecy. He said, I'm going ahead of you and I'm scouting the trail. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, he's taking the machete ahead of us and he's clearing the trail out and all the crooked paths he's making straight. Here's what he says. Let's read on. And I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. You know, Satan wants to put you in bars of iron. He wants to put you behind gates of brass that can't be penetrated. 
They're tough. They're informidable. But God said, I'm going to cut in sunder the gates of brass. And, and, and I'm going to make the straight, the crooked places straight. Then he said, I'm going to break the bars of iron. He said, isn't that a good God? He owe him to say, man. You say he's talking to his children Israel, but I'm glad I'm on the program. I'm glad I got added on the program along the way. Because in this same book, Isaiah talks about God grafting you and me into the vine and allowing us to grow into the vine. Can I get a witness? And because of that, you and I can take these truths home with us. Say amen. Verse three. And I, now notice this phrase, will give thee the treasures of darkness. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. Here's why. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I love verse 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Isn't it interesting how God's talking about he was interested in you and me, giving us surnames and doing things for us even when we didn't even look at him. Even when we had no desire to sell out or serve him, he was preparing the way for you and me. Because in his foreknowledge, he knew, he knew, he knew the day that you would bow your knee willingly and accept him. He knew the day that you would say to him, yes, Lord, I take you. And God had been preparing the way for you along the way. And, and, and he says, I just want to mark, mark this down. I am the Lord. And by the way, Isis needs to take that home. Y'all with me? Say amen. And there is what? None else. One more verse and I'll preach. Say, I thought you were preaching. No, it's just, I'm just reading the Bible. <laughs> that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I'm interested in this thought out of verse number three. I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Sometimes in our life we go through dark days. Sometimes God allows the darkness to enshroud us and surround us. You ever been there? Have you ever been there where you just, you got up one day and everything was going pretty good, the sun was shining and the phone rang? You ever, you ever got up one day and everything was going pretty good and you was just going in for a routine visit to the doctor and when you got there, the doctor said, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. We need to run some extensive testing. You ever been there when one of your kids walked in and just lowered a bombshell on you and you're like, where did this come from? This summer, I had spent the summer out west doing mission work, as many of you know we do every summer, and we go out and help pastors that have smaller works or pastors that can't afford to bring in an evangelist, and we invest in somebody else's ministry. 
we, we call it our year. It's, it's our time during the summer to sow and not necessarily reap, but we're sowing spiritual dividends that we know God will let us reap eventually. You with me? Say amen. And I had been on that long summer mission trip, and I got home, and I was laying in bed one morning. We hadn't been home but just a couple of days from the mission trip. We'd been gone for about two and a half months, and I was laying in bed, and, and the next morning, as I always do, I just picked my phone up and picked it up, see if I had received any kind of messages in the night, any kind of text in the night. And I, I picked it up, and there was a text message from a pastor I had been with this summer. And the text message said something like this. It said, uh, I, I, it's very unfortunate that I have to send this text message out, but our son, Johnny, who was 11 years old, has passed away in his sleep on Friday. And what was so ironic about that, my boy Josiah had spent the whole week playing with this boy. No signs of sickness. No signs of difficulty. I mean, the entire week, Johnny had sung in the youth choir that we put together, and, I, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking, I'm, I'm, I'm waking my wife up now, devastated, because this boy, we had just watched him walk up on a platform and, and with the other youth stand and sing and give God the glory and watched him play ball in the yard, and all of a sudden, here's a pastor that his life was thrown into darkness. I called him the other day because I just had a burden for him. I wanted to see how he was doing. You know the aftermath of having to bury some, a loved one like that. And I called him the other day. I said, Brother Robert, just want you to know I was just thinking about you today. God put you on my heart. And I know that, that the fanfare is gone and everybody's settled down and everybody's gone home and all of that's done. And, and, but I know that the pain is still there. And he, hey, I could tell him the other day on the phone, Brother Johnny was weeping. And the Holy Ghost reminded me that the season of darkness has not yet ended for this guy. You know, it's just as I talk about him, many of you are relating to a situation that you've recently taken yourself through and you've had to experience walking to, into a funeral home and doing the most unfortunate thing that you ever thought you would have to do. You would have to look across there at a mortician and begin to make preparations for someone that you love. You had to go and pick out the suit. You had to go and find the grave plot. You had to make sure the headstone was prepared. You had to make sure everything was in line. Then you had to pick up the broken pieces and you're still shattered. Maybe somebody here would say to me recently, I've got some devastating news about one of my kids. And I was talking to a church member here yesterday and was telling me some things that he went through. And what God did out of the darkness is God brought this individual through the darkness and made something good come out of it. You know, that's the ultimate reason why that God allows the darkness to enshroud you is because God's got a plan. And the only way his plan can be performed is in those days when you get to the end of yourself and you don't have the resource and you don't have the strength to figure it out and you can't put, you can't cross every T and you can't dot every I and you can't explain it to those that are around you and it don't make sense and you're confused and you're turned upside down and your world's been rocked and God says to you, hey, what I want to do is bring a treasure through this darkness. Hallelujah. Say amen right there. I got to thinking about that, and I Googled the other day, had my daughter riding down the road. I said, how about Google what the process is of developing film? And of course, you know today, we've got modern technology. We can go to Walmart and stick that little SD card in, and the pictures come just spitting out in about 15 seconds. You can plug it up to a computer and hit a printer button, and it, they'll come. But you know, in the olden days, it was not that easy. As a matter of fact, in the old days, they tell me there were five stages to developing film. 
They tell me that, that, that number one, when, when you're developing film, number one, there must be a room that is completely dark. I mean, they tell me that most of the time as I was looking at this and researching this information, they, they, they tell me that, that, that most of the time you take an interior room that has no windows because you don't want any light coming in even though you hang a curtain, even though you have a blind, you don't want any light coming around that blind. And, and most of the time they said it's like a bathroom or it's an inner sanctum of the house and, and you want to be sure the bottom of the door has even got something that, that, that keeps the light from penetrating under and good, uh, good, good, good insulation around the door jam so that when you close the door everything is tight and nothing can sleep in. And they say that in order to develop the picture and get the portrait off of something that's called a negative, you must have a room that's absolutely dark. Can I just be real frank with you? I, I don't look forward to dark days. I don't look forward to, I, when you say darkness to me, my mind runs back to when I was a real little boy. My daddy took me to Six Flags and I'll never forget we got on this ride and once I got in there in this ride, their lights were on and they buckled us down in this little car that moved around through this maze of, of a house that had all these different things in it and the lights shut off and I I begin to scream. I begin to, I was terrified. And I'll never forget in that process, I could not see my daddy, but my daddy reached over and picked me up and carried me out. Can I just stop? When I hear darkness, my mind runs back to the fear and anxiety I felt that night or that day in that room. And the truth of the matter is, none of us are looking forward for darkness. None of us are saying, come on God, bring the darkness because I want what comes out of it. None of us want to go there, but in order for God to work, there must be absolute darkness. In other words, God don't disclose the facts to you. God don't tell you why you're even in there. God don't explain it to you in the process. I'm preaching to somebody this morning that needs help. Are you with me? Say amen. Hey, God does not always let us know what he's doing. He keeps us in the dark for a reason. But there must be absolute darkness. Number two, they tell me that there must be not only absolute darkness, but they tell me that you must have the right amount of what they call developer. <laughs> you put it in a container, put a lid on it, and here's what they tell me they do. Ain't that how it is in the darkness? What they're doing is they're getting the bubbles to come out and come to the top. Shake. This pastor told me, and I talked to him yesterday, the day before yesterday, he said, he said, this Saturday will be the 70th day. He said, me and my wife are going down to the graveside to have family devotions with our children. They have six other kids. The 70th day, he's still in the darkness. He said, he said Brother Kenny, would you pray for Eunice? She, she's having a hard time with God, why would you do that to that boy? Here's a pastor that loves you. Here's a man that's given his life, moved his entire family from Indiana to a western part of the United States where they got three horses tied up to a little stable out front. But those people needed Jesus too. And in the process of the moving, in the process of relocating, he's now walking through darkness. You got to put the right developer in there. You must apply and have a chemical prepared called stop bath. That stop bath is interesting, and they tell me that 
that that stop bath has been prepared in advance. It's not something you just add. You've, you've prepared this. And see, God knows how long you need to stay there before he puts the stop bath on you. He says, all right, that's enough. Well, wait a minute. You say, preacher, are you telling me that God's allowed all of this? Let me say this to you. The prophet said this, that God is going to make the crooked places straight. He's going to break down the, the, the bars of iron. He's going to destroy the gates of brass. He said, because I want you to know that I am the Lord your God, and I'm going to go into the dark place right there. I'm going to apply the developer to do what I need to do in the process of making the portrait look like a picture. Are you with me? And then I'm going to put stop bath on it when I see it's the right timing. When when you're in there just the right amount of time, I put stop bath on it. And then they tell me they do this. They turn it upside down because they want to be sure that the picture's completely enveloped in the stop bath. Every aspect of the picture is coated in that liquid. And can I give you one last one? Then they take it out and then in 30 seconds or so after it's been inverted and they pull it from the stop bath, you'll see a portrait begin to develop. Now here's what I want to do. I don't have time to preach all the points God gave me riding down the road, so I'm going to hit three of them just in highlights and give you one of them. Can we do that? Say amen. Because some of you are in there this morning. Some of you are finding yourself in this process and you don't have the answers and you're kind of picking up the pieces here and there and you're making sense of it. But but here, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you that sometimes in this proposition, listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. God allows us to go in the darkness and there are lessons to be learned and treasures to be taken from darkness. And the first lesson I see is, a, is this a simple biblical lesson. It's found in the life of Abraham. I'm not preaching on him, but let me give you this. I believe God allows you to go into darkness and he brings treasure out of darkness because when you're in darkness God sometimes is putting you in the dark room to bring direction in your life you know what Abraham one day found he was standing out there minding his own business God tapped him on the shoulder and said I want you to go to a city whose builder and maker is God God where am I going just get up pack your stuff and I'll tell you as you go can I get a witness right there sometimes God gives you direction in darkness he gives you the right location to go to because he's trying to rearrange the events in your life. He's trying to get you just positioned right so that when you step out of the dark room there's a portrait leading you to your next destination. And by the way, Abraham didn't always do it right. That gives you and me hope because in chapter 13 he wasn't far into the journey at 75 years of age and the Bible says that he looked up one day and a famine came up and God didn't disclose all the answers to him and he didn't listen to God's direction. He listened to his flesh rather than his faith and he went down into a little place called Egypt and while he was down there in the darkness God had to even rescue him in that circumstance. God will send you in the dark room for direction. Number two, God will send you into the dark room for discipline. Here's a man by the name of Jacob one day looked up and he's saying, I'm, I, he looks over his shoulder and he's having to tell his dad and mom and brother goodbye because of his deceptive ways. And while he's moving through that land, he goes to sleep one night, sees a ladder going up to heaven. Later in that story, in chapter number 31, I believe it is, or 32, he goes and wrestles with an angel in the darkness of the night to the breaking of the day. And God, in that circumstance, says, I'm going to change your name from Jacob, a supplanter, a hill snatcher, a deceiver. In my discipline, I'm going to change your name to Israel which means a prince with God and you will never walk 
the same because I am doing something to teach you who you are. You know, God deals with us, number one, as sinners. At Calvary, I got to get the cross in here. Y'all with me? Say amen. I like this song. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. I love this part. And now I am happy all the day. Well, I like this verse. I must go. I got a little singing spirit on me right now. Y'all with me say amen. I can't sing worth a lick, but I got the microphone. You don't. You with me say amen. But drops of grief could ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, sing it with me. At the cross, where I first saw the light. And now I am happy all the day. You see, as a sinner, you were judged for your sins. But you and I are being judged daily as a son. See, God doesn't allow you and me to live like we want to in the process of walking from salvation to heaven. He deals with us daily. If you don't believe that, read Hebrews chapter number 12, and God specifically lays out that he will rebuke and chasten. So he deals with us as a sinner in our discipline. He deals with us daily as a son, and one day we'll be dealt with as a servant at the judgment bar of Almighty God, what we did for Christ in the body. And here's what I want to say. Treasures in darkness will be manifest and God is bringing us through them because he's teaching us about direction. He's teaching us about discipline. And if you ask Peter in the darkness, he taught him about devotion. He walked off and left the boy who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he left him by himself for a while. And when he showed back up, he asked him three times, do you love me? He was working on his devotion. He was working on his heart. But here's where I want to go with this. Here's what I want to get to, and I'll preach this, and we'll give an invitation and find somewhere to go eat. Can I get a witness? Say amen. I'm still 278 pounds. I still sweat and have to eat every 28 minutes. And I, are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, why you want to go on a diet? You're just going to gain it back next year. I mean, what's the deal? I told my wife last night, I'd rather be fat and with anointing of God on me than skinny and God not be 100 acres on me. Say Amen. I just live, the Bible said a liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen. I just, you know, that's really not a compliment, but that's what the Bible teaches. Amen. And There's a man in the Bible named Philip, and the Bible said that God took him in the darkness one time to give him his destiny. Here's what God did to Philip. 
He looked over there at Philip one day in Acts chapter 6 and he said, hey, I want to save you because I got a purpose for you. And the Bible said that the, the men of God were so tied up trying to take care of the daily ministration of the widows that God said they, now stay with me. I'm going to be fast with this, but I, I got to lay it out like the Holy Ghost gave it to me. God said, I want you to appoint men that we may appoint put over this business so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer and the word of God and preaching of the word. Can I get a witness? Say amen. And here's what we find. We find in this process, we find, <laughs> we find that the Bible said God chose Philip, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Here's what happened to Philip. Philip was a man that found himself one day being Pressed by God. I don't know if he was standing near the cross and saw Jesus being crucified or if he was drawn at, at the Pentecost uh, uh, preaching of Peter. I don't know what, what happened, but somewhere he got saved because it said he was full of faith and the Holy Ghost. So you can't have the Holy Spirit in you if you're not saved. Can I get a witness? Say amen. And so this guy was saved. And then you move a little further in Acts chapter 8 and the Bible said he was down in Samaria preaching the word of God and unclean spirits were coming out of people. And the Bible said God was performing miracle after miracle and great things were taking place. And the Bible said that an angel of the Lord tapped him on the shoulder and said, arise and go toward the south, which is desert. But he didn't tell him anything else. So not only was he saved, he was serving. And by the way, where was he serving? He was serving where nobody else wanted to serve. Nobody wanted to serve in Samaria. They were half-breed Jews. The the, the disciples would walk all the way around Samaria because they thought that these people were tainted. And the Bible said that one day Jesus pricked their balloon and said, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? There's a woman at the well that's been married five times who's living with a man who's not her husband now, and she needs me. So he was serving, and then we find him surrendered. You'll never find God's will for your life in the darkness until you're saved, serving, and surrender. Because here's what the Bible said. And Philip got up, headed toward the desert, and didn't even have a clue why he was going. You ever had God tell you to do something and he didn't tell you the second step till you got there? Hold a sign on the road, but I won't tell you why you're going to do it till you get there. You with me say Amen. <laughs> Are y'all getting something out of this? I hope you are because the good Holy Ghost told me this is what we need to preach this morning. Oh, I want to preach it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll probably do that before the week's out, but I just believe that God wanted to really sit down beside somebody and say, look, I know where you're at in the darkness because the truth of the matter is normally what I'm preaching is what I need God to do in my own heart. And the Bible said in the midst of all this that, that he sees this chariot. He goes running and jumps up on the chariot. You know the story. He leads the eunuch to the Lord. And the Bible said in the process of being led to the Lord, watch this. The eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The Bible said they stopped the chariot. He came down off the chariot. He baptized him. And after he baptized him in the water, the Bible said that the, the spirit of the Lord caught, oh, now watch this, caught away Philip that he saw him no more. And the Bible said, and he went on his way to Azotus and preached till he came to Caesarea. Now here's where I want to go with this. The Bible says that he walked in the desert in his darkness and he took a celestial ride out of the desert by the spirit to God and God led him to a little destination called Caesarea he started in Jerusalem but now he's in Caesarea how did he get there 
He went in the darkness, saved, serving, surrendered. What happened in Caesarea? Let me show you the rest of the story. Can I do that? Say amen. Let's look, let me show you this, Acts 21. Look at Acts 21 real quick. Turn your Bible there. Acts chapter 21, the Bible said Paul's on his third missionary journey. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's being warned in this portion of Scripture that you're going to be bound up and tied. As a matter of fact, they even gave a physical representation. Somebody bound her hands and said, the man that owns this girdle, his hands will be tied. And, of course, the Bible says that Paul went on anyway. When he would not be persuaded, we see, saying, the will of the Lord be done, and Paul headed toward Jerusalem. But look what, where Paul stayed at in verse 8 of chapter 21. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to where? Where did Philip wind up going after he went out in obedience to where God wanted him to go? The Bible said the Spirit of the Lord called him away, and he passed on, went on his way from Azotus to Caesarea. He started in Jerusalem. I'm talking about your destiny. I'm talking about where you're supposed to be. I'm talking about where God's planting your life. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 8. It said they came to Caesarea, and when we entered the house of who? The who? He wasn't called the evangelist before this chapter. You know that, don't you? Even though he was doing the work of evangelists, he was trying to find his place. He was trying to find out where God was putting him. And now the Bible says they're in the house of Philip, the evangelist. And here's what the Bible tells us. It said this, and the, and the Bible said, which was one of the seven and abode with them. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Here's what I want to say to you. And my boy's making his way to the piano. Here's what I want to say to you. You will never know the direction and destiny of your life until you're willing to say, God, I will get saved and to give you my heart and life. And until you make your mind up that I'm going to serve wherever you put me, God, it really don't matter if it's in Samaria where nobody wants, that's where I'll go. If it's a bus ministry, I'll do that. Oh, God, if it, if it means me having to do something that's undesirable and unpleasant and it calls, it calls me time and it calls me energy, I'm going to do it for your glory because I want to be serving so I can get to a place of surrender and when I get surrender one day 20 years later I may even have the man of God show up at my doorstep and say I want to stay with you Philip you are the man of God that God told me to come by and see and I'm stopping here and by the way I wanted to meet the daughters I've heard so much about would his family ever would his family ever had been what they had been had he not found the destiny that God had for him? I know you think this is gobbledygook, but this is something God the Holy Ghost gave me riding down the road. And I just want to give you uh, just a, a marker right here to say this. If you want to wind up in the place that God has for you, get saved, start serving, and be surrendered to the will of God no matter where it takes you, no matter what the questions are about it, and say, God, I don't know why I'm in this valley. I don't know why I'm in this dark room, but I give you glory for it because on the other side of it, God, you will be God and there's none else and you're the only one. Amen. Here's my question. How many of you want God's best for your life? We all do. Here's what the Lord said about it. I don't have time to preach it. But I'll give you this verse of scripture. You ready? He said it this way. He said, 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Have you go ahead, something softly, Stephen. Have you ever thought about this? God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. You know what Psalm 139 did? Psalm 139 expanded this. It said, if you could count them, they'd be like the sands of the sea. The thoughts. And here's what he calls them in Psalm 139, precious. Now, wait a minute. The God that holds the universe in his hand, I'm talking about our galaxy is one of millions. And our galaxy by itself is 100,000 light years across from ring to ring. That means light travels at a speed of 186,000 miles a second. That means you multiply that times 100,000. Or how many seconds are in 100,000 years? And that's how wide our galaxy is. And the Bible said he holds the span of the universe in his hand. And our galaxy is one of millions. And that same God who created the sun and the moon says, I am thanking about you. What a God. Here's what he said. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. See, what you're going through right now, you're blaming God that it's evil. And by the way, we can do things that produce evil actions. Y'all with me? Say amen. But that darkness you're in right now, God says, my thoughts are not of evil through this but my thoughts are to bring you to an expected end I want you to get to the other side of this because I've got a plan in all of this and then he adds this in verse number 12 and they shall call upon me and I will answer them (laughs) Woo! here's what I want to do this morning I want to ask how many in here this morning would say preacher I have either been in a dark room or I'm in one now and while I was there I didn't learn it (laughs) But preacher, I sure now am reflecting on it and I can see what God did through it. Would you raise your hand and say amen? Oh yeah, there's all kind of people in that scenario. Let me ask you this question. How many of you say to me, preacher, I want God, even if I have to go in the dark room to have his complete will and way in my life so that I can get to the other side to the expected end that he's got for me because I know God's end is the best place for me. Is that you say amen? Yeah. Here's what I want to do. I want to give an invitation to Christians for first. My daughter's not going to sing. My boy's just going to play. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to move this direction and just kneel around these altars and say, God, I'm in a dark room and I, I'm asking you to give me grace to walk through this. Or God, I just came out of it. Now I'm looking back and I want to thank you that you put me there because I can see now you gave me direction. I can see now you were dealing with me in discipline. I can see now you were building devotion in me. And God, I see my destiny coming ahead of me. And I'm looking at the picture and it's starting to make sense. And it's forming. Would you step out and come right now all over the building and, and just kneel around this altar for a minute and let's talk to the Lord. I'm talking to Christians for a moment all over the place. If you need God's help, you need God's strength. You need God's direction. Would you come right now? Come on, come on, to slip out. He's playing. Would you come? I'm going to pray for you after you get here.
of peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. And I will make the crooked places straight and the gates of iron shall be broke down cut asunder and the gates of brass shall be torn down and I will give you treasures in darkness oh God I pray this morning in this place people around this altar are saying to you God I'm in a dark place I'm in a place I don't have the answers I can't fix it I can't solve the problem God would you help me in this scenario would you help me in this circumstance in this room I don't even know where the doorknob is to get out oh God I can't find the relief here and God I'm asking you for help God would you hear their cry would you hear the cry of your children and God there may be somebody here that just come through the dark room God, the door's been open and they're looking down at the portrait in front of them and, and now you're making sense of it all. You're, you're reminding them, you're reminding us of how wonderful and how gracious you are and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy and long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Oh God, we're praying for the mercy of God to be applied to our direction. Praying for the mercy of God to be applied in our discipline. We're praying for the mercy of God to be applied in our direction and God in our devotion and God in our destiny. Oh God, we want you to have complete control. God, we relinquish the wheel. You're not our co-pilot, you're our pilot. We move out of the driver's seat, we slip over in the passenger seat and we're buckling up and we're saying to you, oh God, take us where you want us to go. Do with us what you want to do. Oh God, we surrender ourselves completely and totally to your will and God to your way and Lord fill us with fresh vision fill us with fresh all fill us with fresh power fill us with fresh strength oh God give us a renewed mercy your mercies are new every morning oh God would you touch us where we need to be touched would you relieve that place of hurt and pain and anguish and show us the plan of God through it all and we'll give you the glory for it oh God we'll give you the glory Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, give us treasures in darkness. Hidden riches in secret places. Oh, God, would you do that, please? Would you make the crooked places straight? Oh, God, would you please? while I'm praying I'm asking you to touch my dear friend in Lewistown, Montana oh that dear pastor God and Eunice his wife who God's trying to make sense of why her 11 year old boy is no longer putting on his Sunday clothes oh God would you make sense of it to her God would you remind her today that somebody's praying for her God, would you remind them, this pastor, that it's not in vain? Would you remind this brother that, God, you have hidden riches in secret places? Oh, God, there's some mother in here grieving over the loss of a boy. As a grandma, Lord, weeping over that one that went astray. God, there's, there's a man here today, Lord, worried about what the report's going to say next week at the doctor. 
God, would you let us walk in the room, pull the door shut behind us and say, God, I'm in the room now. Whatever you want to do with me, oh God, would you apply the developer? Would you put the stop bath on me at the right time? And God, would you let there be a portrait? And Lord, I know I'll be turned upside down and I know I'll be shaken in the process and I know there'll be some things that'll come along, but oh God, on the other side of this, God, let me see what you're doing. Oh God, we're looking at the bottom side of the tapestry right now. We can't see nothing but knots and tangles. And Oh God, there's no picture, but God, on the top side of it, you've got a portrait that you've been putting together and working on it. Oh God, would you just let us have a little glimpse of that? Oh God, we're already seated in the heavenlies according to Ephesians. We're, we're seated in heaven with you. So God, let us look from the top side, not the bottom side. And Oh God, may the knots really make sense to us. And God, the, the lack of color coordination on the bottom side. And oh Oh God, the, the extreme movement from one side of the of the tapestry to another. God, I know it don't make sense and there's no straight lines in our Bible and all the maps are crooked. Oh God, but thank you that you let us get on the journey. And God, keep us on the journey. God, keep us serving. Keep us surrendered. And Lord, thank you for the day that you saved us. Now listen, I know it might not have been what you expected, but it sure was the Holy Ghost on. I want to say this to you. Look at me, every person in the building for a moment. If you're not saved, God can't work. The Bible said, here's what it says. It said, those that reject him are in darkness. They don't even want the light because a person, by the way, you ever notice bars are dark? They're ashamed they're in there to start with. But evil likes darkness. Because he, he can get you in that dark place and you can do things that you won't see and things that you won't. But God wants to reveal the light to you and that's what he's going to do this morning the next few moments of this invitation. He wants to show you how lost you really are. He's showing you his light, his righteousness. And he, he's showing you Calvary. He's showing you the blood that was shed from him and from his body. And he's showing you that there is forgiveness and there's grace. Here's what I want to ask you. How many of you would say emphatically right now, I know that I'm saved would you just say amen now if you could not say that with conviction let me stop and tell you something this is what I do every week 46 to 48 weeks out of the year somewhere I'm preaching that's what I do and every week I hear the same stories see some of the same face looks and I see those face looks and let me tell you what those face looks are telling me preacher I couldn't say amen with conviction with that crowd because I'm not sure I'm saved let me just stop and tell you Jesus loves you this I know this service was orchestrated for you in the mind of God he knew you would be here he knew you'd leave your house you'd come to this service sit in the seat you sit in he knew that you would be feeling the way you're feeling right now why because he loves you and he, he wants to set you free but you must be saved in order for God to take you to your next step and he can't get you out of that dark room until you say, God, I want to be saved. I want you to bow your head. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the building. I'm just about finished. I want to ask this question. Preacher, if you would say to me, Preacher, I'm not saved. What do I need to do? Let me tell you what you need to do right now. You must call upon God. I want you to pray with me if you're unsaved. If you're not sure that you're saved or you're 
unsure about your eternal soul, I want you to call on God right now where you're sitting under your breath with me as I pray. Now, by the way, my prayer can't save you. A, B, C, one, two, three, repeat after me, has done nothing but condemn people and send people to a deceptive hell. But here it is, if you're, if you're sincere and, you, and you're at the end of yourself and you're tired of your sin and it's ever before you and there's question marks about your soul and you're tired of living empty and, and having a void in your heart, I want you to pray with me right now under your breath as I pray out loud. Dear God, pray with me. Dear God, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Tell him. I've made a mess. Tell him I've made a mess of my life. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I've rebelled. I've broken your laws. My life is a wreck. Jesus I believe you died at Calvary. Tell him, I believe you died at Calvary. Tell him for me. And I ask you to please forgive me. Wash me. Be my Lord. Be my master. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you just prayed that prayer with me, you just made the most important decision of your life. Here's what I want to do. The Bible said, the Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. If you just did that, I want to rejoice with you. And here's what I want you to do. If you just prayed with me and you meant it, and for the first time in your life, you called on God from your heart and you meant it, I want you to slip your hand in right now and just say, preacher, I pray with you. God bless you, I see you. God bless you, I see you. Come on, God bless you in the back. I see you. I'm looking for hands. Slip them up, slip them up, slip them up. I see you, God bless you. Someone else. Preacher, I just called on God. I prayed. I asked God to forgive me. Anybody else? I see there's about six hands that's gone up. Anybody else? I'm looking. I'm going to pray for you six. Listen carefully. Father, thank you. Right now for those hands that are up in the air as an act of saying, Preacher, I did that. I called on God with you and I meant it. For the first time in my life, I've waved the white flag toward heaven and I've asked God to forgive me. And preacher, I want to I want to just testify. These, Father, these hands that are up right now, it took courage for them to raise a hand. But God, the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And oh God, they don't have full, uh, they don't have full understanding of all this redemption and being born again and having their sins forgiven. But God, they know they did what, what the Holy Ghost was pressing them to do. And I pray the assurance will come now. I pray, God, that the, that the condemnation will leave and the assurance of God will flood in like a mighty flood. And, oh, God, they'll leave this service today saying, I did it. I made peace with God. And, God, I pray you make trophies of your grace out of their lives. And we'll thank you for it. For those that raised your hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make eye contact with me. Look at me right here. Those that just got their hands up, every every eye that's looking at me, I'm talking to you right now. Here's what the Bible says. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's my question. All you got to do is nod yes or no. Did you just call on God with me? Yes. Do you believe God here? 
here, here's an answer's prayer and heard your prayer. If you believe that, just nod your head with me. Do you believe you, you have been given, your sins have been forgiven today, you've been given eternal life today, do you believe that? Well, let me tell you what I want to do with you. This pastor is a friend of sinners. He's a friend of people. He loves people. And what we want to do is have just a brief word of prayer with you around this altar. And if you have any other questions about your eternal soul, what you just did, they'll be glad to send you off with a counselor and take the word of God and show you line by line what you just did in prayer. So here's what I want to do. If you just prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up out of your seat and come join me right here. Be unashamed of it. Come on. God bless you, son. God bless you, boys. Come on right now. I just prayed with you, preacher. Don't be ashamed of it. Here's what the Bible says. If you'll confess me, God bless you, young lady. Come on. Just step right here, young man. Young man, someone else. Preacher, preacher I prayed. Here's a young lady that's coming. We're going to pray with you all. Someone else say, Preacher, I prayed with you this morning and I meant it. Here's what the Bible said. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. I didn't make that up. That's not something evangelist just uses. That's the word of God. He said, but if you deny me before men, there's something about you saying, I trust in Christ and I'm not ashamed of it. Would you, right now, would you step out and come? Would you step out and come? Here's what I want to do with you.